Hot round. Red seven. Red seven. Red seven. Don. What? Red seven. I don't know what red seven means. Hot round. I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob. This is it. The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is going to work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the oh, ball? Oh, I'm going to get you the, the ball! Welcome into 11 personnel. Bath time is over. Now it's time for football talk. Adam Luckett, how are we doing? Ba- let's go. Glad to see you got baby Ralph, on, baby Roush under control. And now we can talk a little football, my man. If how's I was, daddy? How's uh? So what's this? Week three, week four, week five? Uh, are they five. all running? They're all running into each other yet? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting close to Mother's Day's around the corner, so you know, aptly timed. Um, but uh, I, if if Nick Roush was a player as a dad on the EA Sports video game, I would have a 99 in awareness because, I mean, I just dodged a piss missile right. I mean, it went right over my shoulder. I, I felt like Keanu Reeves in the Matrix. It was it's the daddy instincts kicking in. Oh man, it was it was. Gravity, death-defying, just I, probably the the most profound uh, use of dad strength to date. And I've really made it a big hour going into this show. I made a bunch of Tennessee fans mad too. It's just I I feel like we're back in the saddle. Louisville is back on probation. Like it was just, a busy day, busy last I guess last two days. I guess you would say. Well, I mean, hell, going back to Friday. Friday was a very newsy day. Um, and you know, we're not going to sit here and talk to you about. Uh, I, if there's one thing I don't want to turn any of the things that I'm into is a, a long discussion on what do we think will happen when we don't know anything that will happen. But Friday, you have Eli Capilouto saying, hey, we're, we're kind of planning for um, school to be back up. We're, we're planning to have classes this fall, um, which was a prerequisite for getting football back. Um, and that followed Mitch Barnhart's letter to uh, season ticket holders saying, hey, uh, you know, we're planning for football at home in the fall. If things change, we all adapt. But we're getting more and more good news out of market. And you saw Arkansas's AT, Yurichek, uh, I think is his name. Hunter Yurichek. Yeah, and he kind of walked it back a little bit because he was like, well, I didn't say it, this is going to happen, but they're also operating under the – we're planning to come back mid-July and get ready for a football season so if nothing else Adam Lucky, it's good to feel a little optimistic about where things stand when it comes to watching some some ball this this fall there's definitely been some momentum that has picked up last week or two weeks regarding just kind of everybody getting their ducks in a row like being prepared once July gets here for half football practice and have everything kind of operating back to normal I think that's kind of the operating expectation for everyone right now. I think even the SEC office in general is telling everyone that. Now, we did have a bit of news, which I kind of expect everybody will do this. AAC announced that their their meeting de- their media days is going to be in a virtual setting. Mm. So I would expect the other conferences <sighs> to kind of announce that here soon. I just yeah. don't see how, how you're going to throw – 
400 overweight media members down there in Atlanta <laughs> to munch on buffet food all week and then talk to some older football coaches. I mean, that would have been your time to hang out with your buddy Bobbo, though. You could have been front row with Bob just throw, firing off questions at the College Football mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. You're, it'll, this could be your one-shotty moment, Adam Luckett. It might get taken it, away. It'll have to wait till next year. Uh, Don't plan on going anywhere. So That would be, that, that would be unfortunate. Um, but – you know, I, hey, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, I did see where the NCAA said, uh, I don't know if it's NCAA or Sankey, but it, teams are going to get six weeks to prepare regardless of when that is. I do feel like your thought like a month ago, like this could be, of all of the Adam Luckett I told you so's, the push in the season back and not having any dead t- – so like moving like two or three games to the of, at the start of the year to the back end, I think I think this could be a big I told you so moment for Adam Luckett. I think it's in play, man. I really do. <laughs> I think it, it kind of gives them best of both worlds because they can still have a kind of a traditional football season, but also they can buy themselves almost a month of time with the same in the same breath. There was a there was one idea that our boss threw out there that like you know, you know because here's if you're only playing regional games. Uh, just due to travel restrictions or whatever. Like, what if you had an all-SEC schedule? And it would suck, but also this would be the best equipped Kentucky's ever been for an all-SEC schedule. That's true. Like, But I think there's that's, – that's the tricky thing, man. When you start thinking about the FCS teams banking on those paychecks. Yeah. Trying to schedule your games because everybody's got – you know, not everybody has – uh, 14 teams in a conference. Some teams have. Right, right. You, know, you look at the American who just lost UConn. They're, they're, I believe they're sitting at 11 right now. So it would, I don't, I just don't know how all that would work. But right, right. I do think there's probably going to be a push here after this, whenever this is over, when scheduling picks back up to kind of schedule more around you and not be playing not have Oklahoma State play Oregon State kind of thing. Right, right, yeah. And I, I think just people in general, like, playing teams you're close to, more fun, which is like uh, in basketball, I think Kentucky's mm-hmm. ended up with West Virginia at Rep Arena in that Big 12 right. Challenge. Yeah, it's and then like, play teams you're close to. You know, a couple days not, ago, you saw Kansas concept. and Missouri pick up their series. Oh, which, why they don't play each other in football, I mean, they're mm-hmm. both, you know, come on, just, just let each other duke it out. You know? West Virginia Pitt, the same way. I think they're supposed to play – Coming up here soon in a couple of years, and they—that was the first time. So, uh-huh. but that was kind of just so conference realignment. That's something that really didn't touch us here. Uh-huh. But for because we kept the Louisville series, it didn't. I mean, it just made it even more important because they became an ACC school. Right. But for other places, like that was a big thing about realignment was it ended some rivalry, some games you played, you know, your whole life, and then poof, it's gone. I forgot about how good some of those Kansas-Missouri basketball games used to get to. Until, mm-hmm. uh, the TJ brought up that old Mizzou rap song, which came out when we were in college. And it was of all of the college rap songs. The one with, like, with the Frank Haith mention in it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so bad. But they're, like, talking trash about Kansas the whole time. I'm <laughs> like, oh, yeah. They used to, like, actually be competitive. And now I think of Missouri right. as, you know, not Vanderbilt, but – 
you know, I, I think of them as we need some muscle, you know, like kind of just. Yeah, the, the Mizzou, it, it's been a weird fit. I think anybody would agree for them, the SEC. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a lot of them. The, the conference realignment certainly did that a lot. I think, and I think A&M has been a more natural. Obviously, they had Johnny Football right away, so they it helped hit a grand slam. And then, but just kind of that they've kind of built up like this little rivalry with LSU. And then you get Jimbo Fisher, who, mm-hmm. you know, can mix it up with LSU and the other who's who in the SEC. So, I think from them, from their standpoint, Arkansas. Right, in Arkansas. That game, yeah, that old Southwest rivalry where Missouri kind of came from the Big Eight. So, they were playing, you know, Missouri grew up – if you're a Missouri fan, you grew up hating Nebraska yep. in football, and you grew up hating Kansas in basketball. And now, if you're – you know, if I was – Missouri at them instead of Kentucky at them. I would, you know, the two teams I grew up hating the most, we, we wouldn't even play anymore. So, that, that's obviously – that's a real tough spot to be in. Um, and, you know, speaking of teams we hate, um, Tennessee. Uh, we got a lot of Kentucky stuff to get to, but I want to start with Tennessee because uh, Jeremy Pruitt's got a horseshoe stuck up his ass or something. He's just rolling in recruits <laughs> right now. I, it's, uh, it's astounding, but I think – the reason why they're doing so well in the recruiting trail right now, I'm looking. I don't, I don't have the the list out in front of me, but they've got something like eight dudes in a week. I mean, it's every 24. yeah. I think it's been eight and eight days now. I mean, it's just been yeah. I mean, and they aren't bad guys either. Like you mm-hmm. got the five star linebacker, you got the four star JUCO running back. I mean, they are rolling mm-hmm. in the dough right now. And the only logical explanation to this, Lucket, is that. Recruits are stuck quarantine now, and they don't even have the opportunity to see how awful Knoxville is. Nothing else makes sense. <laughs> yeah, absolutely nothing. You know what? You know what proves your point on that? Of all these commits they've had, I think they're up to like sixteen, seventeen in this class. I think they have three or four kids from Tennessee. Yeah, and well, it's not like Tennessee has has a dry spell right now. There's plenty of Power Five caliber. That's probably going to produce twenty twenty five guys in that state this year. And they only have three or four. They're doing most of their damage in Alabama. I think they got five, six, seven guys from Alabama. That's where Pruitt is from. He's got high school ties, of course. The Hoover, uh, where he when he was a coach, his dad was a coach in another Alabama high school. And of course, he came from Alabama as their defensive coordinator. So he's got a lot of deep Alabama ties. So they're really cashing in there in Alabama, and then they're getting some other places, kind of just spreading out. And we've seen this especially with Tennessee before, Butch Jones in a second full recruiting class had the number four class in the country. Mm-hmm. They got on a roll in the summer and they just gobbled up a bunch of commitments, especially when you get hot like that. There's probably some guys that maybe you want to take a slow roll with, but you're just taking it because it's, it keeps building up momentum. Oh, it's, it's the same thing that like when Kentucky was number one for – Right, in 2014. Know, yeah, for like 24 hours, you know. When you're hot, you squat, and you just keep them turning out. Mm-hmm. The thing that is going to be interesting is, I, you know, I kind of – it was tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, wait till they see Knoxville. Once these places open back up, they're going to be able to visit other places. Right, and there's a and, lot of guys that are half-flip high possibilities too. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not just, oh, wait, just wait to see them flip because that's like the old classic, like, recruiting hater thing to say. Mm-hmm. But I do think that – like, they're going to be in a tricky spot because, at least in Stoops' case, right now, that you just have to be, cho- like, really picky and choosy. Uh, but you also want to get a couple guys to get some momentum, which they've done over the last few weeks. 
But you could be Tennessee stuck in a corner where you could keep rolling, but you don't have any spots. But then you get a couple late flips, and then, you know, you're stuck up a creek without a paddle. Yeah, I mean, they've got one guy who's ten guy. His name's escaping me. He's an outside linebacker from Chaminade-Madonna. So he's oh, down there in Miami. It's the Terrence so guy. Terrence um, – Shannon, maybe, something like that. Yeah. I don't know why I wanted to say Ferguson. That was the kid that played basketball, right? Yes, I, that's, I think there's a Ferguson, but you're right, uh, in that class. Let's see if I can pull him up here. I, I saw his Twitter name is Terrence with an E, not Terrence with an A, which mm-hmm. that's a pretty good branding. Um, but, yeah, you know, Shaman. Yeah, Terrence Lewis is their top guy out of Shaman Madonna. And then Dylan Brooks is top 25, five-star line, or another defensive end. Then oh, Lewis was a linebacker, excuse me, not defensive end. But anyway, but that Brooks kid is probably – Auburn was kind of considered the favorite, and Tennessee kind of came in there and got him. Mm-hmm. But they're still going to have to deal with Alabama there. Yeah. And then you on that deep floor, South Florida area, which we're going to get into later with some of these guys in Kentucky's right. having the portal. But that's just – it's kind of so like fun. the Wild, Wild West. Yeah, you just <laughs> It's know, so fun, man. Everybody's down there recruiting and – they're, they are known to flip. I mean, we just saw in Miami's class last year, they had more decommitments than they had commitments. Yeah. Or signees. So, <laughs> stuff can get weird down there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, Salmonelli is one of the exceptions to the rule where, like, right. he committed to Miami when he first got there and then flipped and didn't really do anything else. Uh, mm-hmm. So, that was – he was an exception. He still flipped from one place uh, to another. Um, but – Tennessee, you know, let them have their fun right now. You know, Barrett Sally saying they're going to uh, win the East for three years. It's, like, it's, it's a flavor of the month right now. Oh, yeah. It's like, you know what? Tennessee, enjoy your time off. You're, congrats. You won the offseason. Well done. Tennessee, right now, the goal is they'll have a freshman this year by the name of, I believe it's Harrison Bailey. He's this kid out of Marietta, Georgia, won the top level in Georgia, Mr. Football, won the state championship last year. He's like their quarterback coming in. And a lot of it's going to be tied to how good he ends up being. If he ends up being good, they're, they're going to be in a really good spot. If he's not, they can find themselves in trouble. But right. a lot of times when you when in a new staff, that quarterback, that first big quarterback recruiting win, that, how that goes is going to depend how yours or your early season goes. Like we saw with Kentucky and Drew Barker. It didn't yeah. really go well. And Stoops was in a, a bind. Or you could just be an awful coach and you could get your quarterback like Butcher Jones had with um, – Yeah. Now is – I, I can't think of his name now. Uh, Joshua Dobbs. Yeah. Like, you hit the nail on the head and you win some games that you just physically out overpower people. Um, but shows you're a bad coach. I think – I mean, to your point, like, Jared Garantano, he isn't going to – win you games this year even though I thought it was funny that there were only three kids in that recruiting class three three of the top 20 quarterbacks that hadn't transferred and him and Juwan passed for two of them right which is that that's just wild two out of the three that hadn't transferred I think the other one was like uh was KT on Thompson until he uh ended up announcing he's going to Virginia so I mean we can get that later but I have a list of schools right here uh, and just power five projected grad transfer starters, and, and it's in the double digits. So that's becoming <laughs> the new norm. Like quarterback recruiting never stops. So you can try in high school, but you're also going to get a chance to 
recover your misses by hitting this portal. And what you think Kentucky do it? We're gonna have Kentucky's gonna have two quarterbacks on the roster that started at different Power Five schools for their yeah. team next year. Hey, and so th- that's why I like when it comes to people complaining about the just the regular one-time transfer rule. I'm like, you guys, you all are already doing this. Like, what? And you're going to complain about college free agency? Like, you're already a success because of it. So why are we in here griping and moaning about it? Let's just let the show go on. Um, but I, before I stray too far away, I just wanted to say, um, well done, Tennessee. You're a great flavor of the month. Can't wait to see you in a little while. Um, but in the meantime, Kentucky, they've, they've had some roster moving back and forth, uh, both in adding and subtracting players. Uh, starting Friday, uh, you had the first of three uh, players into the portal in Kayvon Butler, uh, mm-hmm. the nose guard from Toledo. Uh, Day-Day Hawkins um, from Chaminade, Madonna, the school you mentioned earlier, that's Fort Lauderdale. I think they're actually technically Broward County, but, you know, it might as well be Miami. Mm-hmm. And then, they're in uh, Hollywood, Florida, which is kind of between Fort Lauderdale yeah. and Miami. Right, right. And then um, today, B.J. Alexander, who I believe he wasn't Madonna, Chaminade, Madonna, was he? He was Madonna, too, but he transferred into Madonna, I think, his last year. Gotcha, gotcha. See, what happens down there in South Florida is they don't have a transfer rule. So you can, you can leave from school to school. And sometimes what these kids do, they just follow the coach. So if a coach is at somewhere, goes to another school, they'll just go with the coach. Man, so, that, that's so surprising that they have kids that aren't firm on their commitments all the time. Wow. Right. <laughs> I wonder where they get that. I wonder where that culture comes from. And a lot um, of the kids, from a, just from a football, like technique and how to play the game standpoint, they are – they come in very raw. And I think we've seen that here at UK. Yeah, great – a lot of athleticism. With a lot of – yeah, with a lot of potential. High, yeah. But it's low floor, high ceiling kind of guys where the variance in them is a lot. And you kind of have to spend a lot of time in developing these guys. And sometimes they just get passed up. And I think that's what's kind of happening here with some of these guys we're seeing right now. So – uh, in, in Alexander's case, he just lost out to his teammates. Bryce Oliver um, just manned him up. And, mm-hmm. and, and that was, yeah. I mean, Bryce Oliver, same class. Alan Daly, same thing. They're just same class. They, they were all they, in the same class. And they needed outside wide receivers, and two of them emerged, and one of them didn't. And that was and Alexander. Alexander was the highest rate recruit out of both of them. And Daly and Oliver were both kind of late additions. Oliver late in the first signing class, mm-hmm. kind of out of nowhere. And then daily late in the first second time, you know, the second the first late signing period. It also goes to show you too that like so in Oliver's case, he wasn't ranked high because I believe he got hurt and he was a basketball player. So he mm-hmm. didn't do like all of the, you know, combines and all that kind of stuff. The one that I don't get with with Daly, I mean Daly played with Bo Nix. You'd think you'd have I a think, bunch of eyes on him, you know? I think there was a grade issue there. I don't know if that's ever uh, been like fully proved or whatnot, but that's the only reason that made sense to me. How could this kid that had 1,600 receiving yards on a state championship, state champion team, the highest level of Alabama, and 20-something touchdowns, how is he just picking from random amount of schools? I think there was probably – I would assume there was some grade-type stuff going on there. Even that, like, that happened. But, like, I I could see where that would be why not other bigger schools got in on it, but I also don't know why that wouldn't like you still wouldn't have a higher recruiting ranking. But we don't need to be get picking that apart from now. But I think my overall 
point is that, you know, Marvin Alexander was running with the threes last year, and that wasn't really going to change. The writing was going to be on the wall. Mm-hmm. He will not – I doubt he's the last receiver um, that no. will be one of these fatalities. If you um, look at the roster right now, I counted it up last night and with the news that Alexander is gone from today, recording this on Monday evening. I believe they're then I, now this I still I, I have Zach Johnson as a scholarship player, so yeah. that could change. You got it two right, more? But right well, I'm at eighty eight right now, it'd be eighty seven if Johnson wasn't a scholarship player. So you need bare minimum two more to get yeah. down to eighty five. It's 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 hard to because I did this at the beginning of spring trying to count and mm-hmm. I, I did it like four or five times and I kept getting different numbers and I'm like, okay, you're <laughs> right. Like, a, you're just either a bad counter or B like there's some people who are kind of on that fence, like, um, you know, with the kickers and stuff, like what are they going to do with them? That kind of, right. Deal. Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, there's going to be two or three more guys that, that are going to be fatalities uh, in, in day day Hawkins's case, his personality was fun on the sideline, but I, I think you, it didn't take a, well, a rocket science. He was the one, one I was, yeah. But he was getting close to getting PT. Like he was there. He was kind of in the mix. And but. then they got Josiah Hayes, and then they got like mm-hmm. they got a bunch of dudes. And I think mm-hmm. it was kind of like, you know, you either get with or get lost. And moving Pascal down, I think, pretty much eliminated it. Yeah, that that hurt him for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Instead of being, you know, splitting reps, it it, it probably wasn't going to happen. So Day Day was up. I think the only surprise is Kayvon Butler. Um, and it. It, it could be a slight surprise in that, like, I mean, Butler was highly recruited. Um, Ohio State, it was one of those where they were, you know, Ohio State was taking calls until the day. Alabama showed some interest for a long time in him. Yeah, yeah. And Kentucky wins out for the Toledo kid in the 11th hour. He redshirts last year. He's the third nose um, behind Bohanna and then McCall. But he would mm-hmm. have two years kind of behind them. Um, and – luckily you can weather that storm, you know, um, you know what Freddie said and kind of my understanding too, is it was all a family type deal where he had a grandparent pass away and it was one of those things that, you know, he wanted, wants to be closer home. So, so uh, I would look for Toledo or Bowling Green if that's the case. Yeah. And I don't know like how much closer to home, like, cause you know, it can since, mean a lot of different things Yeah, uh, for like Mike Warren and Hudson, they were both Toledo kids who wanted to be closer to home. They ended up at Cincinnati. That that's I had the feeling of that's a big transfer destination right now. They really reaped the rewards from that. Well, that was the thing because Hudson transferred from Michigan, and Ann Arbor's closer to Toledo than Cincinnati is. Ann Arbor's like forty five minutes from Toledo. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that was Harbaugh's big thing when he transferred. He's like, that no, you're closer here because there was a big because last summer like Harbaugh and Fickle were like trading oh, yeah. barbs through the media regarding that. And it was fun to watch because mm-hmm. Harbaugh had a good point. Um, and I, I hate that I did the um there. But Hudson brought up, I had, you know, I was struggling with mental health things and uh, mental yep, health that, problems. Yeah, and, mental health I, and I couldn't get services out of Michigan. And it's like, you know, you don't want to be the one out here questioning a kid's mental health problems. But also, right. like, that's a – convenient thing to bring up now if you never brought it up before so it i don't see that uh being a scenario vince even tweeted out you know i support you wherever you go at the next level and i think that's all you can do um when you're kentucky if you're harbaugh at michigan you could probably be a little bit chestier even though that you know like 
he knew he wasn't going to get Hudson again. That's the only thing that, like, didn't make any sense about Harbaugh's thing is you're kind of cutting off your nose to spite your face because, oh, you win the little battle and he doesn't that, get to that's play. That's Harbaugh, though, man. That's just who he is. <laughs> just, he just dug his heels down, you know, the mm-hmm. kids these days. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but he was also the one, too, that said they should all, all have one-time transfer where they can go anywhere immediately. Like, Harbaugh was the first coach to come out and say that. So, he kind of goes back man. and forth on it, man. I, are you, like, are you an anti or a for Harbaugh, or do you have going one way or the other? My whole thing with Harbaugh in Michigan, I think it's just proven what kind of job Michigan is. It's just not as good as I think people think it is, especially when Ohio State's operating at a clip they're operating at right now. Yeah. And they're operating as a national power, uh, one of the three to four best programs in the country, competing for national championships every year. When they are doing that, it's hard. It's really hard for Michigan because the expectation is, hey, we want to win national titles. You haven't won uh, the title you didn't share since World War II. <laughs> look, you know, you look in their history when just Big Ten titles, Ohio State has been very much more consistent. People look back at, like, the 10-year war was when they had both Schindler, Beckler and Woody when they went, you know, back-to-back. But for most of the history, Ohio State's had the upper hand. So Ohio produces more players. Ohio State kind of has a bigger brand right now. I think what Harbaugh's doing at Michigan is, like, any competent coach or a good coach, that's what you kind of can expect them to do. But when Ohio State's producing at that level, and then James Franklin's got Penn State producing at the same time at tip top levels, it's just it can be hard. They can be like a Tennessee where you're stuck in a division where Florida and Georgia just have a little bit more resources than you because you're recruiting the same areas, but they're closer to the players. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's I think it can just be hard for them. Just they're kind of landlocked in in that tough division, and that's just. What it is, you look at Harbaugh, I mean, the results have been there. I mean, he's winning nine to ten games every year. Yeah. The thing with them is just they haven't had the big wins. And those should come. Like, they should get a, some bounces. Which that's I'm, the thing with him. But, they, I, but that's not why they hired him. They hired him to beat Ohio State, and that's not what he's doing. Right, right. So he's which, always judged through those lenses. Which I'm interested to get to. We're going to get into your top 25 a little bit later on. And so we'll be able to get maybe – Maybe not more into that, um, but it's certainly reflective in your top 25. You've got Michigan, uh, you know, 16th. That's, that feels about where Michigan is. Yeah. And then they just lost. They had 10 guys drafted, which I was surprised by. Like, going into the draft weekend, I was not in my head thinking, I'm going to see 10 Michigan guys go off the board. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened. So, that, uh, that doesn't help the situation at all. And one of them wasn't Shea Patterson. Anymore, yeah, one of them wasn't straight back. <laughs> and four of them were off – three or four of them were off the offensive line, and their offensive line, if you look yeah. at some of the metrics, just, well, you know, nothing yeah. special. I mean, Stanford Steve was, like, calling them soft. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, uh, which, you know, I, I guess with some of those things, you can just look at the, the measurables and be like, hey, this – it should be there. The recruiting rankings, you know, so – it adds up that they should be good, even though they weren't good as a unit. Maybe as individuals, they can be better. But we don't need to get more into the Michigan offensive line or anything like that right now. <laughs> I'd, I I want to bring up Kentucky's commitments because uh, look at where they got started Friday, and I don't think they're going to be slowing down anytime soon. Doesn't look like it. Looks like they're about to reel some off here. Yeah, yeah. The first up was uh, Khalil Sanders. The dude, the the that, of, came, uh, that was the one that came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. I he mean, wasn't on anybody's radar. I don't think. 
none at all. Um, so that was a surprise um, from Alabama. Huntsville. Uh, yeah, a John Summerall joint. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Summerall's all about that deep south. When we say out of nowhere, a lot of it's because there's not a whole lot out there on him besides his tape and a few small offers because yeah. the big boys haven't got in on him yet. When I saw that, I was like, okay, this guy's got to be like in a small town, maybe missed the year of football or something or didn't go to camps. Then I do some digging and like he plays for a team in Huntsville. Huntsville's not a small – I mean, it's yeah. decent sized town. Well, it's at the top level, so he's playing against good competition week in and week out. He's 6'5, 270, 280 pounds. He plays both sides of the ball, plays offensive tackle and defensive end. And I mean, he looks the part. So I'm curious how that how that really happened. Because the all and you look, you kind of do some digging, and the offers are there. Like both of Virginia schools, Virginia Virginia Tech offered him recently. Indiana's in on him. And then every prominent like group of five team in the south memphis southern miss mm-hmm. troy list goes on and on all those all those schools are offered him and you know heavily recruiting him so how he even with those he should at least be you know a low 30 star bare minimum right. how he kind of slipped through the rankings I, i'd be interested to find that out well i i know how he didn't slip through summer all it's they, they attended the same high school is that right? Um, yeah, and that's that's where the connection was there, you know. Of course, Summerall's going to know somebody at his old school. Um, but nevertheless, you can certainly expect – I know people are like, oh, is he going to flip? That'll be a worry. Um, but you can certainly believe that there will be um, some big schools come calling. Okay, good. 110% <laughs> committed. But, like, your Mississippi States, that seems like a prime. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's why I was surprised not to see them – after him yeah um but so sanders was the first one that was sandwiched in between two transfer portal announcements and then sunday night we have look at i there's never been a time when i've been got a heads up that there's a commitment and i couldn't find it on social media the kid he, he his name isn't on anything at oh, all that was took me a bit to find him too man <laughs> i mean that was tough um some of these guys, you just have to go to the coaches who who they follow and try to go through the names and see if it kind of matches his name in a certain way, or find what position he plays. Because usually in their bio, they'll have their position. Yeah, they'll have their position, name. but they won't have like my right. name, which I always like. Uh, some of the coaches who are like, uh, it was actually Brian Landis retweeting somebody, former Frederick Douglass, now at Georgia State. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, put your name in your Twitter profile, and on your highlights, say what season it is. I don't know if your Savage season was your sophomore or your junior year, <laughs> yeah. which, uh, which I absolutely love. And now the, the name of the recent kid, Armand. Uh, Armand Scott. Yes. A receiver from Euclid, Ohio, not Euclid That's Avenue. Um, that would be uh, too close. But I, I love that since he's a big kid from Cleveland, immediately Dorian Baker. The Dorian Baker comps are overflowing. <laughs> I mean, just because it's – And Cleveland Heights. And if you look on the map in Cleveland Heights where Dorian Baker was from uh-huh. and Euclid, I mean, they're like a hop, skip, and a jump away. See, here's the thing, though, with like – we are dumb humans. And like it just – everything is much more palatable with an easy comparison. The right. basketball – it's it's 
the easiest because you have such a large sample size with Calipari teams because they're basically, you know, a new 10 each year. So you have a lot to different pick and choose from. See it in the draft every year. Yeah. In football, though, it's not as easy. So I, it's, it's probably not a good thing that we're like comparing a guy to Dorian Baker isn't exactly going to warm the hearts of Kentucky fans across the Big Blue Nation. And I think it's important Dorian Baker coming out of high school was listed as an athlete, too. Was he really? Like, mm-hmm. Because I think there was kind of a – he could move down to play tight end kind of thing. Oh, I see, I see. Um, but when, but you watch, when you watch this Scott kid play, obviously 6'3", he towers over every corner he plays. So, all you're seeing him run on tape are hitches and goes for the uh-huh. most part. Right. But when he gets the ball in his hands, he doesn't run like a 6'3", 205", 210-pound guy like you used to see in high school. Usually it's some of the lumbering – like Isaiah Cummins, for example, when he caught the ball, it was more just like get north and south and go. Mm-hmm. This kid's got some change of direction. He returns a punt where he's bouncing back and forth. They're, the first highlight I put on this in the post, the film room post that went up today at KentuckySportsRadio.com was him. He catches a deep ball. He immediately stops on a dime, sees the corner. The quarter overruns. He cuts left runs about 15 yards, the corner catches up on him again, and then he makes another cut to the right and coasts into the end zone. Like, he can really run with the football in his hands. So that, to me, when you get that in an outside receiver, that's reason to be excited. And then, of course, he makes some some big-time catches. Like, he makes his snag, one-hand grab with his right hand, all full extension on a deep ball where he doesn't really slow down, and then has some, has some blocking in there, too, that you would expect a guy his size to be able to be able to bring at that level i think it's like just from more of a big picture standpoint mm-hmm. um i mean not only is it notable what he can actually do in the football field obviously that's first and foremost but from a, how you recruit the position like you're starting to check some boxes uh the kid yeah from, that's why i wanted to bring up with these last two classes what they're doing in the wide receiver yeah you, you're getting a six foot guy who can you know maybe do both and chancey magwood mm-hmm. you play him inside you play him outside but just got a nice set of skills um, they can do a lot of different things. You get one big, big badass who can go up and make some plays, who can be physical. And then you, you get got Earl a, on the outside. And then you get a, a slot receiver that mm-hmm. is a burner. And that's what they're trying to do when Kel Crowder right. um, announces his decision, decision Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that. Right now, like, I, th- I think things are looking pretty good on Kentucky's mm-hmm. end. But there's also the um, ever-looming Oklahoma factor. And, like, uh, you know, they have pretty good quarterbacks. They sling the ball around the yard a lot. So, um, having that home – They're about to get the number one quarterback in the class of 2021. That's coming soon. No, that kid's going to Maryland. All right. You think so? <laughs> I don't know. Well, with that kid announcing today that he's going to LSU, the um, Nussmeyer – yeah, that's kind of that was Oklahoma's number one backup plan. I I do love though that like just the trio and like basically it's a huge day for Maryland just to be in the top three for that kid. You know, mm-hmm. they're getting, they're doing some things recruiting Maryland. Yeah, you know, two three years from now. You know, but yeah, they got they got to take some months for they get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but just look back at these last two classes. Like last class, you get Isaiah Cummings, who's like this. Not much separate – like, he's not creating a lot of separation, but you can throw it to him in the red zone. He's going to be a jump ball kind of guy, but he's also going to be, like, 
a kick-ass blocker on the edge and a guy you can move in motion and do different things with him in, in the run game. But then you got two kind of do-it-all guys, I think, in Sanders and uh, Clebrandon that you can kind of move around. I think they can play outside and inside. You can kind of find a spot for them. Then you get in this next class, you get your inside guy with Magwood. Now, Magwood, I don't think he's going to be a guy that's burning people deep and not, but he's going to be a guy kind of like they use Juice Johnson, third and six. Okay, well, you're running an option route. We're going to trust you nine out of ten. You're going to beat this little slot corner to the spot. You're going to be open. And it's going to be an automatic throw, easy pitch and catch. And then you get Armand Scott, who's got like this deep ball potential. Like he's got kind of like I, I described him as a high floor, high ceiling prospect because I think he can come in and do some things bare minimum just from a blocking standpoint and physical size standpoint, but you see how he catches the ball away from his body, how he runs with the ball. I think he's got some things that, whoa, man, this guy, this kid can really be something. And then you Deckel Crowdis, who is a typical slot receiver, but he's got like not to get in the player comp kind of situation, but he's got that like Jeff Bidette speed where yeah. they can run him on all those deep posts. They can play him in the slot, but they can also move him outside and use him as like to take the top off the defense receiver that they really haven't had since the dead left. And Crowdis is a composite four-star receiver, like legitimate. Every ranking has him as a blue chip. Right. They haven't gotten one of those. And I don't think – what's the last one they've gotten in the Stoops era? If you, can, if you consider like Lynn and Michael Drennan in that same regard, but they're more of kind of like – They're the athletes. Flash players. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you, you know, when you bring them in, you're using them at Wildcat, you're going to use them around a lot. But Crowdis, I think, is specifically a receiver. You know he's coming in to play receiver. I don't think they've – they have gotten one. Because yeah, some of those early – those 14 guys, they Richardson, had some – Javionte Richardson was one. Yeah, I don't know if he was, like, all across the board four-star either. Like, I think – I think he was – I think he – I mean, he was, like, a top 250, top 300 prospect. Yeah, that's right. That's real shame about that kid, though. But that's just – they just – whatever happened there, happened there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's a really good point, Lockett. And the reason, like, the thing that I uh, – just what speaks to Crowdis's talent level is they have the five-star challenge, the big rivals camp um, down in Atlanta every year, and that's, you know, put on hold for now. But rivals, they, they wisely did a few years back. They were like, hey, why don't we invite all of the top kids – to our camps and well you know it's almost kind of like uh the nike does the opening but rivals has like exclusive um access to that content and stuff so they've mm-hmm. made it to where like they can really really i mean it's a, it's a genius idea and it's become a really big event like i would even put it up there as even more prestigious than like the opening and like mm-hmm. the elite 11 stuff because uh, it just doesn't get the same kind of internet clout, the ESPN stuff like the Rivals stuff does, for whatever reason. Um, but it's almost all seniors to be, except Crowdis got invited going into his junior season. Like, that's when you know the kid's legit. Um, and he performed well there. He didn't stick out like a sore thumb. Now, this, what happened last year at IMG, I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's, the, that's the question. Like, what, what kind of went wrong there? In uh, – and that could that could play into the fact why Kentucky might be the heavy heavy favorite too. That maybe yeah. it's just away from home type thing. Yeah. Well, and it could be a he does better when he's got a supportive environment around him too. 
Um, like, you know, with Lynn Bowden, I'm not saying they held his hand, but it certainly helped that you had the head coach and the big dog in your corner, you know, whenever who, – who were willing to give the benefit of the doubt if things didn't go right according to plan. And Where's to like, give him – like, they gave Lynn a lot of rope, too. Right. When he was young. I think that's something not a lot of people talk about. But, I mean, we all remember the Lynn Bowden tweets. Like, everybody forgets about him now. But following him on Twitter with, like – Oh, yeah. He, where he would just say some weird cryptic stuff all the time. Yeah, middle of the night to, like, right. 3 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, I, no, that seems like light years away now. Did you did you see that Lynn tweet? I I hated getting that text. Yes, I told people like stop following these. They like stop following a nineteen year old kid on Twitter. Like, gee, like just let him be a nineteen year old kid. But like that's why coaches get paid. That's why Mark Stoops is making four million dollars to handle all of that stuff. Stop, well, stop, look, stop reading it. Stop looking at it. And I, I think to our overall point is is that. Mark Stoops will be a little bit more generous with that versus at a place like Oklahoma, you know. Yes. He ain't got time for that. They, they'll just go to somebody else, you know. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. So, uh, I, I do feel pretty good about where Kentucky stands with Crowdis, Um And that would be a big get. Now, obviously, I think receivers more so than any other position. You know, receivers got a reputation. That's going to be a recruitment that wouldn't end with a commitment. I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, he, once the season starts, there's going to be business taken, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. And then I was looking at just the state of Kentucky recruiting here recently. Oh. Like, obviously, that 2018 class was loaded. Yeah. Like, with J.J. Weaver, Casey. Like, Kentucky didn't get, like, any of the top six guys. You know, they missed on Wondell Robinson, and there was – uh, some other big time guys in there that went to Notre Dame and Alabama. And Jacob Lacey from Bowling Green went to Notre Dame. Tanner Bowles. Tanner Bowles from Alabama. Glasgow went to Alabama. But then I started looking at in like Louisville. Has it like I think Jordan Watkins was top ten, but yeah. at, other than that, the last three to four years they have struck out on all these guys. And then you look at you're looking at this class coming up. Like it seems like if Kentucky can get Crowdis get Jagger Burton, like they're going to get their fair share of guys. But Louisville hasn't got – I mean, I was surprised to see that because you, you don't really think about it much, but, like, they're yeah. kind of striking out on all these all these guys. I don't even think Meekins was a top ten kid. He was. I think he was 11th. Yeah. Um, but there's another kid. I thought you were going to mention this one that could pop off this week. I don't know if you – I don't know if you follow the crystal ball as closely as some others, but there's been – Five predictions as of today that Lavelle Wright is going to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been hearing some things, too. So, it, it smells like Lavelle Wright might be the next one to to get those dice out. All More signs hard. are kind of point towards that. And uh, I, I had a buddy who, who coaches in the area, and I used to say he was full of it when he would tell me he's got this guy that he saw that's going to play D1. and the one I called the most BS on uh, was when he coached Jordan Watkins as a freshman. And he was like, oh, this kid, he's going to be the next best thing since sliced bread. And, of course, he ends up going, you know, playing Power 5 college football. The, the next biggest one he told me about was Lavelle Wright after Wright, during Wright's sophomore year. Uh, and he's, he, the way he was described to me is I was like, so is he like a fast guy or a power guy? And it was both. <laughs> he, just, he gets north-south in a hurry, had 1,800 yards last year, 25 touchdowns. 
Tennessee was actually really hot and heavy on him early. I know mm-hmm. Purdue got in, the, got in the mix um, with him some. Um, and, and Louisville tried. I think they might have been a little too late to get into the North Harden party, which, you know, Oxendine, that's another big in-state kid too. Um, we'll miss out on but Yeah, we talked about Oxendine, how, like, everybody talked about him. Like, he was the, night, the, the best ever. Yeah, right. so I think that obviously it's going to help Kentucky big time in the recruitment of these other guys. Because if 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 they do end up getting Lavelle right, hey, it would just be cool. When was the last time Kentucky had a running back from Kentucky? That's a good it, question. Ah, been a bit. I was trying to think of one. And they had Quentin Baker committed for a little bit, but that didn't last. No, and he that turned out to be for the the benefit. Because in the '80s, that's what all those Jerry Claiborne backs that played with Freddie. They were all a bunch of badasses, and they were all from Kentucky. Mark Higgs was from Owensboro. Al Baker is from Ashland. Like, you had a lot of dudes from within the state that were really mm-hmm. talented uh, playing Kentucky. Andy Murray's from Louisville. So, I, man, I'm trying to think because, like, on those it's 07 been, teams, you know, they – It's been a while. I mean, was Anthony White – was he from Kentucky? No, he's from Ohio. I mean, I'm going through some classes right now, and because even in my class, like I played at St. X, and we have Vic Anderson, but he ended up going to Louisville. And so Vic I Anderson, guess, Deuce, Deuce played at Boston College. Deuce, Deuce College, um, yeah. So those were the, I mean, those were two for the state of Kentucky from a running back stand. Miles Simpson would be the last one, and he moved positions. Yeah, he played linebacker his whole career. So. And, Man, that's pretty wild. So if Kentucky does get Lavelle right, hey, it would just be be cool to have uh, a Kentucky, especially when running backs have been as good as they have been um, that Kentucky's found elsewhere. It also he, I think, is the kind of next kind of back they need to get because they've gotten speed uh, with the last couple classes. Right. Um, so it'd be good to get kind of a bigger body in there. He's about six one. You know, plays real good pad level um, for his size. Uh, but is a big kind of mow some dudes down kind of back. Before before Simpson, I mean, you're looking at Alfonso Smith kind of area. I mean, oh, it, wag been, swag. Well, wag yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been that long. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you start thinking about it. But it's I knew one of those long. Woodson backs was from Kentucky. So that would be right. the first running back in 15 years to commit, just to even commit, because he would have been like 04, yeah. 05. Yeah, I think he was 04. He was either 04, 03, I want to say 04. So almost twenty. Yeah, that's not, that's, that's, that's pretty crazy <laughs> when you think about it. That'll be a nice little nugget to drop when when that if it happens. Yeah, man. But and, and to that point too that we mentioned about Ox being big for that recruitment. You get right. His teammate Jordan Lovett had fifteen picks last year. He mm-hmm. he picked up. He's got all the regional kind of offers with, uh, you know, Cincinnati, Louisville, Purdue. Um, yeah, they're in good Missouri. position to pick up six of the top eight prospects in the state of Kentucky right now. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty good. You can so, do that every year. That's pretty good. The uh, the dice the dice are indeed hot, as as we like to say. But um, before we get to the end of this episode, actually, you know what? Let's get to the good stuff, the meat and potatoes, the big picture stuff. Uh, because I could, I think we just set a record for recruiting ever discussed on a podcast that wasn't around signing day. So good job, Luckett. We did it. There you go. All right, I'm looking at your top 25. And first off, I would like to say that I appreciate that you 
the 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 look you took at your top twenty five. You're like, I don't want to do the week one top twenty five because week one top twenty fives. It's all about it's, it's basically building your stock on hype. So this is based off of how you believe people will produce at the end of the year, mm-hmm. which I, I I don't know why that's not the the norm, but it's definitely gotten away from that and. I'm I'm just going to start at the back and mention a few surprises. In the first big one I see, now there's some that are kind of, yeah, you know, like, oh, you think USC is actually going to be good? Which I, I'm kind of with you, though, just because Slovis played so well. Um, and they, they were able to, to keep Graham Harrell. And, you know, we saw what Virginia Tech did. But the one that just really pops off the page, Mac Brown and the North Carolina Tar Heels? What? Yeah, that was one surprise. When I kind of – when I start doing the schedule – it just – in the ACC play, man, it just sets up well for them because they're going to be really good on offense. they got a really good quarterback. They're in the Coastal. And they're, they're in the Coastal. And they get Virginia Tech at home and everything else. You, you kind of look at that division. Virginia's reloading. Yeah. Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh. I mean, they're kind of the same every year. They get Pittsburgh at home. Uh, who else is in that division to kind of escape? Duke. I, I don't um, – I'm not – I don't scare – they don't scare me at Duke. Carolina's going to have a better roster. So you kind of go down and look at it, and it seems like a year where they can really strike and do something. So that's that did surprise me because I've kind of been off on them a little bit. But when I went through the schedule, it's like, well, they might – this might just be a year for Mac to really get out and make some noise. I would love that because Mac Brown's one of those guys that I never – You see what they're recruiting right now. Oh, yeah, they're making out like, like game they're, they're kicking major butt. And he was one of those guys – I wouldn't say I didn't like him at Texas, but I just never thought he did anything yeah. very good in particular. Mm-hmm. But I, I like him at North Carolina just because it – North Carolina having any sort of value in the sport of football is just hilarious to me, which I'm mm-hmm. sure many people say about Kentucky football being good at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it's, – it's a fun novelty for me. And to see the joy that Mac Brown had, what game was it that they won at the wire? It wasn't the, was it, it wasn't the South Carolina game, was it, when he was just, like, crying on the field? It might have been because it was – Yeah, I think they, it was that, that first one. Yeah, because it was his first win, and they won in dramatic fa- fashion. Like, and it was an upset. Like, not many people were thinking they were going to win that game. And so, yes, I, 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 I want to see them do well. And that Coastal is just such a bad division. There's nothing – you know, I, Virginia Tech's in that, right? So, like, re, pretty much it's yeah. going to come down to those two Virginia teams. Virginia Tech Mi- in Miami. I mean, Miami's always the wild card. If they get their stuff together, they're obviously going to have the most talent of anybody in that division. But it's they never had their stuff together. So, one team like I, them. I don't necessarily disagree with you on. You have Utah at 21. Um, I just will never, like, that's kind of where they are in the top 25. But they they officially submitted themselves. They are never real. They are never legit after losing back-to-back Pac-12 championships. I will never believe in them until they win it. Like, bet against right. them no matter what. Like, they're, they're done to me. Absolutely yeah. done. They are more of a case of – they've just taken advantage of a conference and division in general that's just a mess right now. And they play defense and run the football. Yeah. And they're gonna have Jake Bentley defense, come special in teams, there right? And like manage the game and be just fine. So, and they have a good home field advantage. Like, it's usually bad weather. They usually get it. Usually gets pretty rowdy in there, and they just they you come in there and you better be ready to fight. If you're not ready to fight them, they're gonna run all over your ass. So, 
And they're, they're just kind of – they're just kind of built to win eight, nine games every year, especially in that conference. Look at – I love that you have Kentucky in here at number 20 because I'm – did you get many tweets of people saying, oh, Kentucky Homer, of course he's got Kentucky in the top no, 25. No, I, did, I didn't really get that many. I was oh. surprised. I thought I, I, thought I was going to get a lot. You should have just said Tennessee, not a top twenty-five team. Uh, Kentucky yeah. is, and then you would have had Ten- Kentucky twenty, minutes. Tennessee unranked. <laughs> it really <laughs> At is. Incredible. Twitter, <laughs> man, like, and you—you you don't even have to say like. It's amazing how they'll find You're you. Crazy man, it really is. Um, but I, I think, like, I want you to explain why it's not a homer take to put them in there, but like that's what we talk about every week. As you, you kind of look at the schedule, and it's like, well, they should win at least eight of these games in here. Listen, like Tennessee and Kentucky, I think this year you could have a conversation where they're kind of like they're right there together. Mm-hmm. But when you look at the schedule, he's got to go to Oklahoma, right? In the non-conference, where Kentucky has to go to Louisville. Uh, I think you would rather take the Louisville game over the Oklahoma game. Tennessee has to play Alabama. So and then they got to go. I believe they add Arkansas as their other crossover. So that's that's good. But other than that, I mean, it's just tough. They got to go to Georgia. Kentucky gets Georgia at home. They get Florida at home. But they, I mean, Florida's like as big as a bugaboo. Tennessee's been to Kentucky. That's what Florida's been to Tennessee in the same amount of time. Like they have one win in the last eighteen tries or something. Right. So you just look at the schedule. Like it looks like a you know a seven and five, eight and four type season. Like if he get if Pruitt gets them to eight and four, I think that'd be a really really good coaching job. That'd be a, might be a step forward for him, I think, and for them as a program. Then you could talk to about them in twenty twenty one as really like a big year for him. Yeah, but but they, Tennessee they is like every other mm-hmm. like Tennessee and Texas. They're always in Nebraska. They're always back. Notre Dame at least got past that, you know, by you know being like nine, ten win about every year, and then having your your playoff run every four years. You know, they had the championship thirteen. They go to the playoff uh, two right. years ago, so they're they're in a nice little groove. But these other teams, the proverbial backs, um, which I, I are are you saying that Texas is back? Is that what I'm hearing here? Top ten finish for the Horns? Yeah, I mean, I just like their. I think their offense is going to be really good. Like. I don't know, like, what Sam Ellinger will be as a pro, but, like, he's a really, really good college quarterback, and they're going to score a lot of points in that conference. And then you look at their schedule. Like, they have to go to LSU, but they get LSU kind of a perfect time. Early in the season, LSU lost, you know, a bunch. In Texas, you know, they've recruited well. It's just can they get that defense together? Herman's bringing in two new coordinators. If they hit on both these coordinators, like, they're going to have a chance to make the playoff. So I am buying on Texas this year. I yeah. think we kind of, I think we jumped the shark with them kind of last year, right? Especially right. after they beat Georgia in that Sugar Bowl, when really they were probably a year away, and so they they took some lumps last year. Now they have the senior quarterback Ellinger. It's time for them to strike. Get, getting Chris Ash as a defense coordinator, good move to bring the Ohio State band back together. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the familiarity. Uh, really plays out well for them. I, I think that's a very underrated um, aspect of success, like continuity. That's something Stoops is big on. You know, like the of the yeah. And you look at all that you you know, obviously Herman from Ohio State, and then their offensive coordinator was originally at Oklahoma State, so he's got the Big Twelve ties. But Urban hired him away to come to Ohio State, Mike Gersich, and then Chris Ash was obviously at Ohio State. So like, these are all going to be guys Herman is 
completely comfortable with because they have the urban blessing pretty much. Right. So right. It should that that smells like it should be a fit. It smells like popcorn in my house too. I can I like that's a good smell. I know, and it's it's got me hungry. Even though I shouldn't be hungry, I just ate supper not too long ago. Had some barbecue chicken. It was great, but in quarantine, I can't eat enough food. It, it's just it's yeah, a real I something, man. <laughs> it's, it's a real problem I have. Um, just like the problem Minnesota has, they will not. You know be what? I've been getting ice cream a lot since quarantine started. Like, oh, ice I've been cream. having a cankering for ice cream. A cankering? It's a sore you get in your mouth. Sometimes. Well, whatever, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> what, what, what's your ice cream that you go to? We usually like, like Blizzard, obviously. Gary oh, Clay. you're not talking about like a tub no. that you keep in the freezer. You're no, no, going no. to DQ, and mm-hmm. hey, I. We had our first blizzards of the year last week, and I'd never had Oreo cheesecake. Whoo, man! See, it's I don't, tough. I don't veer too much. I stay Oreo, Butterfinger, Snickers every once in a while. When they brought Snickers back, I was like, oh yeah. Went See, to that about eight, nine times in a row. But the Butterfinger is a little bit too peanut buttery for me. I'm with you. We're mm-hmm. like a good Oreo blizzard. Is, Oreos, I mean, it's the best. Right? Yeah. Hard to away from. It, because it's the perfect cookie for ice cream because mm-hmm. half of it already is the cream part, you know? So it's just, it's, it's ideal for that kind of mixture. The reason why I just love the little cheesecake bits, the fake cheesecake bits that mm-hmm. they'll, they'll put in their blizzard. It's very good. Very Taylor's good. big on the turtle pecan. That's a little too rich for my liking. She, uh, she got trigger shy about the new, have you seen the new frosted animal cracker flavor they have? No. Like, you know, the frosted animal crackers you can buy at the store? Very good, but also I'm sure just loaded with sugar. Because, like, regular animal crackers, you tell yourself, this is a cracker. It's not a cookie. But then you get them I love animal crackers. I can't do that. Frosted, I'm not big on. But that's the new Blizzard flavor. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Also, very underrated if you just do the the Sonic knockoff. They have real ice cream and all their shakes. And it's right. Culver's. Do do y'all do Culver's at all? Do y'all do Amalia? I just, I just hate the, I hate the the guy who says Culver's concrete mixer. It's Culver's <laughs> concrete. He's got it, the most it, Wisconsin. It's good. Yeah. Oh my God, it's so Wisconsin. Hey, Wisconsin, they they know food, man. I'll give yeah, and I'm sure they know their dairy well, but Culver's yeah, concrete good. mixer. Um, I hear you. Which I, I like where you got Wisconsin, Minnesota. Really, you're you're think Mike Sanford can have an offense that's in the top twenty-five? Get the hell out of here, look That's. That's the scary part because they have the pieces on offense, but you look at their defense and they lost a lot. Like this is the one team where if you ask me to like, all right, tell me a team who it could go really bad for, like things could get really sideways. This would, that would, this team would be my pick. Like is Tanner Morgan that good or was he just throwing to a bunch of pros last year? Right. Right. Uh, and if you lose, if, you lose, if the defense really falls off, who knows? The one team that um, we've talked at at length on here about that I'm kind of with you if Kellen Mond, like, steps up, A&M, um, the way the schedule, that's been well it's documented. Just, it's all the schedule. I, I didn't know you hated Coach O, though. That, wow, that's, that's kind of odd of you to hate Coach O. Not even going to finish Dude, in the top it's 10? Just, they just lost a lot, and I'm not, I'm not big on Miles Brennan, the new quarterback. Now, if they get JT Daniels, we can start maybe talking a little higher. USC kid? Is, it, is he in the portal right now? Is, there, is that like yes, a recruiting is. thing that's happening? Okay. Okay. But, like, also, like, how much was Joe Brady bringing to that table? 
Like, if you think he was what we talked about him being and he's gone now, like, just like a year ago, Ensminger was – they were getting in the high formation in the red zone in front of place. And then right. Brady gets there and everything changes. I mean, I know at the end of the season it got like where Brady was getting too much attention and they tried to – everybody tried to shift it and saying Ensminger was doing more, but – I mean, I don't know. We'll see. How much is Ensminger going to keep in? You know, you know, and they replaced Joe Brady with Scott Linehan, the old Cowboys offensive coordinator, who is like as old school, you know, just old school <laughs> pro style as it gets. Right. So, like, uh, and then you lose Aranda on the other side, who was awesome. It was an awesome defensive coordinator, and you replace him with Bo Pelini. You know, <laughs> Bo Pelini. Yeah, just yeah, crazy, crazy, <laughs> crazy dude coming in there and just gonna yell his, yell his head off. We need Bo Pelini to have a tiger, like a cat painted like a tiger, to like hold up when he comes out at Tiger Stadium. You know, just yeah. And this for Orgeron, it's this year's all about proving like last year just wasn't a one off. Like that they just had an offensive savant came in, made some tuned some changes up. All of a sudden, their quarterback becomes the best thing ever, and then all the skill positions all around him, they just all turn into hits. Right, right. Like, we need to prove that that just wasn't a one-time, like, the greatest team LSU will have, like a once-in-generation type ride. We'll see. The, um, the question I have for you that I'm kind of with you on Penn State you got Penn State fourth mm-hmm. ahead of Notre Dame, so I'm guessing this is going to be one of those years that come out. But the thing about Penn State, is Sean Clifford never yeah. really, like, popped for me. Like, he seemed, like, fine, but not I'm going to mm-hmm. go out and win the biggest game. Like, I, I'm not going to go and do that his quarterback. If they had a quarterback, they could legit be for the top two or three spot, I think. But it's just quarterback. Now they, they're bringing in Minnesota's offense coordinator, Kurt Soraka, who I thought did a really good job. And they're going to have a nasty defense. Like, Micah Parsons is going to be, like, by come November, everybody's going to talk about how much of a freak Micah Parsons is and that he's going to be top two or three pick. And then they're just – they're loaded at every – I think they're loaded at every other position. It's just that quarterback spot. It's what do you believe in. But when you look at their schedule, they have to go to Michigan. So, that's a little tricky. But other than that, it's pretty smooth sailing. they got to go to Virginia Tech in the non-conference. They sh- but on a talent standpoint alone, they should be able to handle that. And then you get Ohio State at home, and they they play Ohio State as tough as anyone every year. And they always get somebody, it seems like, in that night game in Happy Valley when they did the whiteout. Right, so right. You, so if you can pull that upset Ohio State, like in whenever that game is, they would have the driver's seat to go and win the Big Ten title. And then you're looking at Franklin finally breaking through and making that playoff. Got to go through Justin Fields, though. Yeah. Dude's good. And Justin Fields was one time committed to Penn State. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. How the turntables. <laughs> How the turntables. Um, well, like it. This has been fun. This was a good it, podcast. Thank and think how, how much things are different if Fields just goes to Penn State. Like, it's a good fit right away from the jump. Yeah. They would have had, he probably sits a year, right? With, um, What's his name running around back there? McSorley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the offense is – I mean, that's kind of what McSorley was doing. Have him with K.J. Hamler last year. That's been – that's been fun. Man, gross mottos. That dude – that dude's good. He's uh, 
I think he's going to be solid at the next level. That was a nice he's second round pick. Yeah, he's real long. He's used to meeting potatoes on him. Uh, and of all of the wild stories of that they tried to pigeonhole, and, like the sappy stories in the draft, his – He's got a sappy one. Man. And, and, like, it's one of those that, like, it, you need the whole full thing because it is just – there was a, a college game day one where, like, mm-hmm. I, I normally try to, like, all right, I don't want to cry on Saturday morning, but, man, I just, like, soaked it all in. Yeah. It was – That's ooh. usually if I'm sitting down to watch college game day, that's when I go do something. Brush Maybe your teeth, you know. Maybe shower. Get, right, or, right. Yeah. <laughs> I need to go uh, take the dog on a walk kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. but that one was one I, I got don't need that early on Saturday. Oh. Man, hit you right in the feels. And we hope you we hit you right in the feels with just excellent podcasting. Um, I, this has been a good one. We'll have another good one for you next week. And uh, look, you got anything else for all our fine folks listening out there across the Big Blue Nation? I think that's all, man. Just recruiting is about to pick up. So we're going to have a lot to talk about, I think, here over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and, you know, if Tennessee keeps on being Tennessee, we can always just fire <laughs> off a tweet or something and get them all pissed off at us. Doesn't take much to get Vol Twitter to take the bait. Oh man. They, and you know what? They're they're always gonna respond with you in bread, which are like pot, meat kettle. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, what are you doing over here? Oh, congrats, you own Kentucky in football. Like sick brag, bro. Like, just go take out the your best stuff, is when bro. they start talking about Fulkerson. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> get the fuck out of here with all that nonsense. Thank you all <laughs> so much for listening to Eleven Personnel. As always. Go Cats and go Cougars.